What's up, babes? And as the puck drops, the words that DC fans have been waiting to hear since 1974, the Washington Capitals are the 2018 Stanley Cup champions. It's not a dream. It's not a desert mirage. It's Lord Stanley, and he is coming to Washington. Welcome back to Japers Rink Radio. I am your host, Adam Stringham, and today I am happy to once again be joined by John Press. How are you doing, John? I'm okay. How are you? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Getting getting used to the uh, kind of post-cup capitals. Uh, you know, they. Uh, I feel like the, the loss to Carolina kind of, for me, ended ended the one-year celebration of, of, of the cup, and I'm uh, just kind of getting back to life as usual. Yeah, I, I think that's that's right. There definitely is a feeling like, okay, now it's over. You know, uh, I, there there's still the champs is, until somebody else is, but uh, it, it definitely had sort of a close close a chapter on uh, a great chapter in Caps history. And uh, I guess now the question is, what comes next? And that's what we're here to discuss. But we also have to unfortunately quickly discuss the loss. Um, yep. you know, it, it's been a little bit, but, um, you know, it, it, game seven really is the one I want to focus on. And I just want to kind of get your thoughts on kind of what went wrong there for the Capitals, because watching it, I mean, they were just dominant for the first two periods and then everything kind of changed, um, after one unfortunate power play. Yeah. I mean, that that power play was obviously a nightmare. That was your chance to to probably put the game away. Although you know, we've seen three goal comebacks before, but uh, it was two zip, and you know they did exactly what you couldn't afford to do, which is give up a shorty. And uh, you know you could kind of see it coming. Uh, I, I can still see that play pretty clearly in my head. Uh, you know you've got uh, Aho uh, tapping. It was Aho, right? Uh, tapping is. Uh, stick calling for that pass uh as hard as anybody's ever done it and uh then he comes in floats that little uh little knuckleball on Holtby who kicks up uh, that terrible rebound and yeah it kind of just all uh unravels from there uh and uh, to be completely honest the caps just kind of looked gassed uh after that um carolina looked energized and uh you know it still ends up being a coin flip. They were inches away from scoring in overtime before I think uh, Hamilton or Slavin or one of those guys, uh, you know, swept the puck off that had gotten behind uh, the goalie and was headed for the open cage or an easy tap in. And, uh, you know, these are the kind of things it's a game of inches. You know, last year the caps got bounces this year. They didn't get bounces. And uh, it, uh, in a lot of ways, I think it makes, uh, makes you, appreciate especially once you get some distance on it it makes you appreciate what it takes to win it and what it took for the caps last year uh to win it uh it's a tremendous amount of uh skill and talent and good coaching and everything but it's also a hell of a lot of luck and you know just ask tampa just ask uh pittsburgh ask anybody who's done it ask anybody who hasn't done it 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 takes a lot of luck it certainly does and it kind of um, it just felt like that game seven was not going to be the Capitals night after that, uh, shorthanded goal, but even still things I thought looked okay until Holpe gave up that just awful shot to, to Jordan Stahl. Stahl. Yeah. I mean, that was just a howler. I mean, half the net was open. I mean, he gave it to him. I mean, the guys, he just totally lost his, yeah. uh, lost his, the net. his cage. Yeah. It, it was, uh, sort of inexplicable. And, uh, you know, uh, what can you say? It, it, Hope he's still a guy who, uh, over the bulk of his career, has proven himself time and time again in the playoffs. Uh, you know, I think there, you might even want to go with some narrative about him not coming up big in a game seven, you know, but uh, his game seven numbers are better than uh, the rest of his playoff numbers when you look at them. And, you know, 
uh, hope his career numbers in the playoffs are, are just eye popping except the, the wins and losses. Um, so, you know, I'm still comfortable with, uh, Braden Holpe as, as a goalie, but, uh, man, that those were some, those were a couple tough goals he, uh, allowed in that game. Yeah. I mean, definitely isn't, you can't help but feel like the Capitals had at least a pretty easy shot to the Eastern conference final after seeing, uh, really, really what a, what a tire fire, um, the Islanders looked like, um, in, in their second round series against Carolina. I mean, I, there, there's no doubt in my mind, Washington could have won that series, um, pretty easily. Yeah. I mean, who knows? You never know. And, uh, obviously when it's, um, when it's trots and the familiarity there and the storylines and everything, who knows, you know, may, maybe the caps would have, I mean, it's the caps, so, you know, it wouldn't have been easy. So, uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Uh, but it, it absolutely looks and feels like a, uh, missed opportunity, uh, because they were, uh, they were poised to do some good things, but you know, it, it just wasn't meant to be this time around. Yeah, it was not. Um, so you said earlier, where do we go from here? Right. Um, and I, and I think the, the first thing we have to kind of talk about is whether you think there should be any changes kind of to the people running the show. I mean, in, in my mind, it's, uh, pretty easy no there shouldn't be any changes from the general manager position or any of that stuff i mean brian mcclellan has just proven time and time again to be uh, a very very competent um general manager at uh, in the national hockey league um but behind the bench uh, I, I believe before the capitals kind of lost those game sixes game six and seven um you said something about what what you would do uh, to todd reardon if the capitals lost that series in a um i believe embarrassing fashion did, did the mm. way they lost uh they lost hit that criteria you were talking about um no you know i, I think the the bottom line uh as far as t- the todd reardon's performance in that series goes is that he was out coached uh, i i don't see uh any way to spin it otherwise uh you know when you've played a team as many times as they played carolina uh including two times uh, in the last few weeks of the regular season um, and then, you know, play six straight games against them in the playoffs and you still can't uh, break the puck out uh, well or, you know, enter the zone uh, under control or uh, have an effective scheme of uh, puck retrieval on the power play. I think you, you know, you need to uh, own up to that and, uh Full credit to Carolina, for sure. They're, they obviously are uh, quite a team right now, on quite a roll at, at exactly the right time. Uh, but it's hard not to think that Todd Reardon got kind of uh, schooled in that for, uh, first round series. And, you know, it's something that we've talked about in the past. Uh, I don't know if we even talked about it last year, but, but um, certainly in, in previous years, uh, sort of the difference between coaching in the regular season and the playoffs. And it's been one of the things that I uh, have been harping on now for, for a few years uh, that uh, doesn't really get talked about a lot. I don't think. And, you know, everybody talks about, Oh, the, the playoffs are different. You know, you have uh, it's tougher to win in the playoffs and all this other stuff. Uh, No one really talks about the coaching aspects of that and and the coaching impact, uh, and why that, that is the case with coaching, um, in the playoffs. And, uh, to me, you know, in the regular season, you win a lot of games based on talent and, uh, maybe a, uh, a scheme or system thing or two that, um, your opponents don't prepare for because, uh, there's not, there's not a lot of opposition scouting in the uh, regular season. You know, this isn't the NFL where you have uh, a week to prepare for one specific opponent and uh, you're watching endless amounts of film, et cetera, et cetera. This is you're playing every two, three nights and you're basically working on your team and uh, executing your uh, systems and whatnot and not so much um you know, uh, uh, scouting your opponents and devising schemes to counter what they're doing. And then you get to the playoffs where you have a few days of lead up before you even get started. And then you are just for two weeks 
you know, week or two, you're you're playing the exact same opponent and you know, eating, breathing, sleeping that opponent. So you're doing a lot more um, specific, targeted uh, coaching, and uh, I think that's what separates a lot of the the great coaches from the good coaches from the not good coaches is that ability to make adjustments within a series, within a game, uh, sometimes, but certainly within a series, and um, you know that chess match that uh, that I think we saw really well. Uh, I want to say two years ago against Pittsburgh where the Caps would would win a game and then Sullivan would make adjustments and then Trotz would make adjustments and it just came down who made the last adjustments and there it was Sullivan and uh, they the Penguins came out uh, on top and uh, this time I, I didn't see a whole lot of adjustments from uh, Reardon other than a couple lineup decisions which I agreed with but you know if the extent of your coaching is uh, – making changes, uh, to who, who dresses and who doesn't, you know, that's not, uh, that's not going to get the, your team where, where they need to go probably. So, um, you know, he, he definitely was out coached. Um, I think that seeing what Carolina did to, uh, the Islanders in the second round, uh, add some context to, to what happened to the caps because it, you know, Carolina is clearly a good team. They're clearly a well-coached team. They clearly, um, have systems that are, uh, effective, uh, for the talent that they have. And, um, you know, everybody who is clamoring about, uh, after round one about how great trots is and how crap, uh, Reardon is and how badly the caps screwed up that decision. I, I didn't hear quite as much from them after, uh, the second round. Uh, so, you know, I, I think for now Reardon has probably done enough to earn another bite, uh, at the apple here. Um, you know, there's a lot of other things going on, too. First of all, I, I don't advocate ever making coaching changes without ha- having somebody uh, lined up for that job uh, for the as a replacement uh, who you are at least reasonably confident is going to do a better job. Right. Uh, you know, firing is, a guy is one part of the equation. Uh, replacing him is the other part. And unless you've got that other part figured out it probably doesn't make sense to uh, let a guy go. Uh, second point is uh, that we don't know what's going on between Todd Reardon and Brian McClellan. Uh, are they on the same page? I don't know. It, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily seem as if they are when you have a guy like Dimitri Yaskin who can't get a sniff of the lineup, but the GM uh, clearly likes the guy, uh, brought him in uh, for a reason, and then the coach doesn't use him. Uh, you know that that's to me that's uh, sort of an indicator that things might not be a hundred percent lockstep between the coach and the GM. And if coach and GM aren't on the same page, then you know it probably uh, pushes you towards making a decision uh, on the coach. You know that that shades of like uh mcphee going out and getting martin erat and for a coach that wouldn't use him so uh you know uh, aside from that the uh what the cap sent out in that trade they got a guy who uh you know who the coach didn't use so that was problematic and you never want that situation to arise so if that's where they're at uh maybe something does need to happen but then there's also just the optics of it, uh, you know, are the Caps about to eat some salary and essentially admit maybe that they made the wrong uh, move? Uh, I don't think that's particularly likely. So um, I think that uh, Todd Reardon probably is safe for right now, probably should be. Um, I think that you might see Reed Cashman uh, swapped out for someone else uh, in the offseason. Um you know, and uh, when you when the Caps had their Cup run, they had Barry Trotz, who obviously has proven himself over over time to be uh, a a good NHL coach, uh, maybe very good. Who knows? Uh, your mileage may vary on how good he is, but he also had just a tremendous uh, coaching staff uh, with Reardon and Lane Lambert uh, uh, on his bench, uh, with Forsyth, uh, who 
at that point, I guess, could still coach up uh, an effective power play <laughs> mostly. Uh, you know, Mitch Korn, even though he'd stepped back a little bit, um, it was it, it really was. I mean, both of his assistants could be head coaches within a year or two of, of him leaving. You know, I, I've heard Lambert's name uh, for openings this coming summer. So who knows, you know, but uh, that that's not the staff that uh, that Todd Reardon seems to have right now. So I think he needs to bolster that uh, to to help give him uh, a little bit better chance at success. Um, so that's that's sort of the long winded way of of saying that. Yeah, he's probably going to get another shot at this, but uh, it did not show me uh, a whole hell of a lot of promise uh, in, in uh, what he did in the first round. What do you, what do you think? No, I, I think that's about right. Um, I'd be a little surprised if we don't see any changes to the coaching staff as a whole, but I don't, you know, I don't think it's going to be Todd Reardon uh, getting right. changed. <clears throat> um. You know, uh, for all, for all kind of the reasons that you mentioned, I, th- I think it's really going to be, um, I think it would be a tough pill for the organization to swallow to try something else again after just one year, uh, especially because the team, you know, they 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 were not great all year, but they they weren't abysmal either. Um, they they were worse than I expected them to be, but I don't know how much of that's on the players and how much of that's on the coaching um, during the regular season. And in right. the playoffs, as you said, when that's all amplified, it, it was clear Todd was was out coached. But um, I think you could probably have said the same thing about Barry Trotz for for quite a few of those playoff rounds that that he was behind the bench in Washington for. So, right. Uh, I mean, everybody's a great coach, uh, and, a terrible coach until, until they're, they're not. not. Exactly right. <laughs> so that's that's um, that's kind of where I am right now. But, yeah, I mean, that's how. I mean, the Caps got to what 104 points in the yeah. regular season. Um, you know. And you you said that worse than you would have expected. Uh, I think they get to 104 points basically based on uh, like a, a talent uh, yeah. disparity uh, overall, you know. Uh, and and they can get there uh, based on the talent. I I didn't see, I didn't see a team this year in the regular season or the playoffs that was uh, in any way uh, sort of a sum greater than its parts team. You know, it, it was. Uh, all the pieces kind of did their individual things and gets you to 104 points. Whereas I think they, they certainly looked like a different team last year after the uh, Kempney trade and through the, uh, through the end of the, the cup run itself, they, they were, I think in a lot of ways greater than the, the sum of their parts. And, you know, just speaking of Kempney, let's not uh, just, uh, brush aside losing uh, their their second best defenseman uh, over the course of the season for sure, and then you know a top six uh, good puck possession uh, forward in Oshie, even though he wasn't uh, in the playoffs uh, or towards the end of the regular season either. But I mean, those were big losses, and I know Carolina had losses too. But you know, Svechnikov and Furland or, and Martinook or whatever are those guys aren't uh, losing. Uh, top pairing defenseman, you know, and so those things, uh, you know, the caps got to 104 points this year based on kind of talent and probably didn't get a, a lot of boost from their coach. Uh, and you contrast that with Carolina who ended up, I think with 99 points, uh, and on paper, that doesn't look like a 99 point team to me. So I think they did get a bit of a boost, uh, thanks to, to their coaching. You know, I think there, there are a number of factors that go into, regular season success and uh you know if you don't have a ton of talent and i'm not certain that carolina does uh, you better have good systems and good coaching and uh they definitely seem to have that so i think that they may have overperformed what we would have expected caps probably underperformed and that's how they ended up just five points apart and played a close playoff series and uh at the end of the day it was a coin flip that the caps lost yep uh, no disagreement from me there um, so Alex Irvin wrote a great article about the Capitals' upcoming free agents, um, mm-hmm. and I know we we're actually already at 20 minutes here, but maybe we could go through that a little bit because I think that's kind of a great sure. way for us to kind of dig into um, really what we should should expect this off season. So I'm just going to start off by reading the list of guys we got. We got we got Christian Juice, Chandler Stevenson, Jacob Vrana, 
Dmitry Yaskin, Brooks Orpik, DSP, Burkowski, Connolly, and Haglin. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex did a great job kind of breaking this into people that she would just kind of definitely have back, probably best to let him go, and then guys that are going to be a tough decision. Uh-huh. Um, I guess I want to get first get your thoughts on on, on some that Alex ranked as CU back in DC, but I'm less less sure of. Uh, I, I'd be all for the Capitals dealing him for just about anything, and that's Chandler Stevenson. Um, yeah, what, I mean, what, <laughs> deal. Uh, Where are you going? How are you going to deal him? I mean, it, the, the, what what value does that guy have? A, a fifth uh, round pick. I mean, it's a guy. It's a guy that can play in in the fourth a fifth line. round pick as an RFA. I guess. I mean, yeah, it, I if, mean if that's if if somebody was offering a fifth round pick for Chandler Stevenson, I would probably jump all over it. Uh, I'm not, not a fan. Uh, he admirably filled in at times during the cup run, but, uh, this past season, uh, to me, it was, it was a disaster for him insofar as uh, a guy playing that little, uh, can be a disaster. I, I just, I, I didn't care for, uh, the season he had, and I, I don't know that I need to see any more of it. Yeah. The offensive production, the art lack thereof is just, just, I mean, it's, it, problem you, uh, in the modern nhl you have to have every line capable of producing offense and it for a guy that fast it, it's shocking right or you better to... be a, a great penalty killer so yeah whatever uh but yeah I, i'm sure everybody expected us to start our free agent discussion with uh three minutes <laughs> on uh chandler stevenson <laughs> well i mean who, who do you want to start you want, you want to go to brooks or you want to go to dsp i mean where, where, okay. where are you going those here? guys are both gone next Cool. Yeah, you 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 just nothing, not coming back. All right. No, thank you for your service. Uh, we'll always have 2018. Love you all forever. But uh, I I don't see a role for either of those guys uh, on next season's caps. What sort of money are we seeing for Jacob Vrana? Uh, so that's tough. I mean, do they go uh, short term uh, bridge? Do they try to lock him up? Uh, I mean, if you could. I, I don't know what he'd be looking for, but if you could go six years on him at a reasonable number, I would be comfortable doing it. That guy is, uh, I mean, he he kind of disappeared a little bit in the playoffs, uh, but I think that that's more on the score sheet than in his actual play. I didn't think his actual play was horrendous, and he, he was close a couple times. It just didn't get get going for him. And, he you know, he's still 23, I think. And uh, I... I I have confidence in his ability going forward, um, probably more so than uh, I had in Andre Burakovsky at the same age. Um, but uh, so I, I, I would feel, I think I feel comfortable locking up Vrana for six years at a reasonable number. Um, but if they want to go uh, bridge and see where you are, because who the hell knows where this team is in uh, four, five, six years? Uh, they may want to go smaller and kind of reassess if uh, at towards the end of uh, whatever ever era they're going to be getting to the end of soon. Um, that you know where you're at at that point. Um, you know, Vrana may may be a uh, piece that you're not uh, necessarily needing, but um, I. I'd be comfortable uh, locking him up for six years at a, at a reasonable number for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, when you say he came close, I believe he hit the post in overtime in Game Seven. Yep. So, um, yeah, very close. Um, you you mentioned him. We'll talk about him now. Andre Burakovsky is a uh, a really interesting case because I thought he was really uh, you know not even maybe even better than than competent. Like he was good after the trade deadline. Um, I think the real problem with Burakovsky is that for the Capitals to qualify him, they have to, you know, th- there's that minimum contract they have to offer, which is probably more than they want to pay. Um, what do you think the Capitals will do with Andre Burakovsky, and what would you do? Well, I mean, first of all, I, I'll agree with you that he was good after the deadline, but let's also remember that he was on the fourth line uh, playing against uh, terrible competition uh, largely and with uh you know not great line mates of course but uh you know that he was good in fourth line minutes is sort of a backhanded compliment here i mean the guy couldn't play himself into a top 9 uh position on this team and that's 
not not great. Not it's certainly not what we would have expected to be seeing from him at this point in his career. Uh, a couple years back, when he when the future looked super bright, um, you know, I, I think that that three plus million whatever qualifying offer is it's a it's a hard pill to swallow. Uh, but so is giving up on uh, a guy with a lot of talent uh, who also just for what it's worth has uh, big goals in the caps last two game sevens. So, uh, you know, obviously that's just a, that's more coincidence than anything, but um, he he has shown up when they need him when uh, some other guys who are making a lot more money than him haven't necessarily. So, uh, you know, I, I don't like giving up talent. Uh, That's a hard commodity to come by and they don't have a lot of it in their farm system uh on the wings so uh i would look to try to uh see if i could get him uh back probably on uh, a short-term deal uh he's kind of been a tease at all times and every single time uh, that i think i'm all out on this guy he does something to kind of pull me back in uh so uh i'm not uh, I admit that I have my uh, blind spots for for this guy and this type of player. Um, but so I, I try to uh, keep him here in, on a short term deal. What about you? Yeah, that, that, that's what I try to do as well. Um, you know, just try to do what the Capitals have done before. You know, with Brett Connolly, right when they were able to mm-hmm. go below his qualifying offer and sign him to another contract. So right. hopefully the Capitals can do something like that again with, for Burakovsky. Right. Um, but I, I don't know if Burakovsky's reputation right now is kind of at the same level where Connolly's was when Connolly took that deal. So, right. um, but ideally, I mean, I'd like to see the Capitals bring Burakovsky back. I think he's, he, uh, I mean, it's just, as you said, it's a, every time you're kind of ready to write him off, he, he does something to make you go, well, Maybe this time. Maybe this right. time it's different. So, um, you know, you hate to lose talent. And as you said, the Capitals just don't have a lot of other options right now in the system. I mean, they've not been no. drafting forwards early nope. um, for really since Jacob Rana. They haven't since taken Rana. exactly yeah. right. So that's where we're five years out on that now. So yeah. <laughs> um, the Capitals definitely are going to, in my mind, need, need him um, or, or a guy like him. So, yep. um, uh, you know, got to keep the team skilled and talented let's yep. talk about uh brett Connolly. segues pretty nicely into him um you know great year for him i thought he looked okay in the playoffs it's going to cost a lot of money to, to keep him though what, what what do you think the caps are going to do here um th- this is a tough one because he can go uh make a lot of money a lot more probably than the caps can pay him and frankly a lot more than uh he probably deserves based on uh, the kind of player that he is. Uh, I think he's uh, he's a nice player, um, a nice depth forward. If, if somebody tries putting them putting him in their top six regularly, I, I think they might be disappointed in what they get out of Brett Connolly. Uh, you know, certainly uh, his past few seasons, uh, he's been an opportunistic goal scorer um, and. Uh, you know, that's always going to be in demand. And uh, I would not begrudge him one bit if he went out and got every last penny that uh, he can find out there. Um, But so there's obviously going to be a number that makes sense for the caps. And uh, the question will be if that number is good enough for Brett Connolly, who likes it here, who is comfortable uh, here and has found a a great role here after being basically given up for uh, left for dead um, by the entire NHL. So uh, I'm very hopeful that they can find uh, a middle ground and, um, you know, I, I think he, he like Burakovsky, like Vrana, that these are the, the kind of depth scores that uh, that you need. And, uh, you know, if Connolly goes, uh, those that's 20 plus goals to replace if Burakovsky go, goes. Uh, that's, you know, probably a 15, maybe a 20 goal guy in a, a good year. Uh, and you know, no, there's no one in Hershey that's going to replace that. So uh, I'd rather 
overpay a little bit here or make another uh, a roster move to clear a little space, which I think we can probably get to in a few minutes because I've got a guy in mind. It's, <laughs> it's no, uh, it's it's no big secret, but we can circle back to that uh, later. So, uh, yeah, I like Connolly. I would like to see him stay. Uh, he he's, is my daughter's favorite player, so uh, that would be a difficult. Uh, Difficult news to break to her uh, should he decide to move on, but uh, uh, I'd like to see him stay. You? Uh, yeah, I'd like to see him. I mean, I'd like to see a lot of these guys stay if they take the right amount of money. You know, that's kind of the sure. thing with, with um, you know, all the all this stuff. I mean, Connolly, as you said, I mean, I just think it's going to be too expensive. I mean, I don't think he's, you know, the Capitals got Lars Eller on a great deal, right? He's They're paying him three and a half, and... Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a chance that Connolly's going to be able to command that kind of money on the market right now, and I, I just don't think he's worth that. Um, you know, he's he's, he's he, a shooter. I think he, de- he definitely could get three and a half somewhere. Yeah, exactly. So, no question. I mean, I'd pay so, him three and a half here. Would you? Yeah. I, I think it's. I mean, right? It's shooting talent, right? So you're gonna you're gonna pay for the shoot for a shooter, and that that's good. Um, he's just got to have guys that are going to be able to help him out and. Um, you know, Lars Eller's 29. We'll, we'll see how kind of he is in a couple years. But as you said before, I'm not sure Connolly's kind of a guy who can always slot in up higher in the lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I, I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens with him. Um, <clears throat> as you said, the Capitals have some options to potentially clear up some space. Um, w- one last guy before we get to that, though, let's talk about uh, Carl Haglin. Do yeah. you, th- I mean, any interest on bringing him back? Um, yeah, uh, another guy who I think uh, fit in well. Uh, he plays a role that the Caps don't necessarily have. Uh, and, you know, he was a, a good penalty killer, tenacious dude, sort of has a little bit of that Oshi honey badger thing to him. Um, and, uh, you know, no scoring touch whatsoever. But uh, it, it He's probably gone. Uh, he was on a, a $4 million a year contract coming into this year. Uh, he's not worth nearly that to the caps. I don't know what kind of pay, t- pay cut uh, a guy at 30 years old is really looking for. So my guess is he's going to go out there and try to make uh, all the money he can make. Um, and so it probably won't be here. Uh but if he wanted to come back on the super cheap and sees himself as just a a bottom six grinder, you know, I, I would certainly listen to it. But it's difficult for me to see uh, to see a, a fit there. But, you know, uh, you're probably looking at um, I mean, obviously, they're going to keep Vrana. There's no way Vrana's gone. Uh, so uh, of these last three guys that we're talking about, Burkowski, Connolly, and Haglin, uh, you're probably keeping two of the three, you think? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And I would, uh, I would probably, uh, I would probably lean Burkowski and Connolly there. Uh, although keeping Haglin over, uh, over one of them does uh, give you some penalty killing and uh, a little bit of an element that uh, these other guys uh, don't have. But he's also a, a significantly older guy. Who's, I mean, he's over 30 at this point. So uh, his uh, career is pretty much only going to go in one direction from here. And uh, I'm not crazy about uh, being on the on the hook for uh, watching that go down unless it's at a uh, cheap, cheap price. Uh, unless we're talking about some sort of elite talent, which Carl Haglin is not. No. Um, I do want to touch on this real fast. I know we talk about um, the player that the Capitals should deal, and we will in a second. But mm-hmm. um, next year is the last year for Nicholas Backstrom and also for Braden Holpe that they're under contract. Yep. Um, what do you think, like, looking ahead, the Capitals are going to do with those two guys, and, and what would you do? Um. I think that with Backstrom, I think the Capitals will do what I would do, which is uh, give him a blank check and say, what's it going to take? Nick Backstrom's not going anywhere. Uh, You know, maybe you can play that back uh, in a year when they've traded him or something like that. (laughs) And uh, I look like an idiot. But, I mean, come on. This is – 
the second best player in team history. Uh, and uh, he's he was amazing in the playoffs. Uh, to me, him and Ovi uh, were the reason that thing even made it to to seven games. He, yeah. They were they were both just so good and so dominant, and it's such a throwback. And obviously, that won't last forever. Nick Backstrom's thirty one years old, uh, but um, you know. I know you don't want uh, sentimentality to be creeping in, uh, but you know if it ever was going to, this is this is one of the guys for whom it would. And uh, you know his he plays the kind of game that ages incredibly gracefully. Uh, they've been getting a a great deal on him at six point seven over the past few years, uh, and. You know, I, I don't mind overpaying uh, a bit to keep him here. So uh, what do you want, Nick? Let's talk about it. Let's figure it out. Uh, you know, it, maybe he goes up to right around where uh, Kuznetsov is or a couple bucks higher than that. Um, frankly, probably based on what we've seen here recently, I, I don't have a problem uh, saying he's more valuable than uh, Kuznetsov right now, but uh, you know, that obviously also uh, won't last forever either. But uh, I, I, I think that they won't have too much trouble uh, keeping, uh, hanging out to him. Uh, what do you think about Backstrom? Uh, I really hope the Capitals retain Backstrom and luckily kind of Brian McClellan. I don't know when he said this, there was some sort of, he hinted that they were going to get sentimental on the next Ovechkin and Backstrom contracts right, and, right. And, 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 you know, really keep them here for the entirety of their careers. And, um, you know, I'm surprised it means as much to me as a fan as it does. Um, you know, I like to think, as you said, kind of above that, you know, we're not really focused on that, more focused on kind of, oh, well, to help the team win again, it's probably best, you know, to, to not right. hold on, even a guy of that talent level to, you know, not sign him for like, you know, one of those big contracts till he's 40 or, you know, almost 40 years old. And, uh, but at the same time, I mean, I think it would just be, I think it'd be really cool for the franchise to kind of have those two players Ovechkin and Backstrom the whole time that they're, they're playing. And, uh, you know, two guys that in my mind, I think have got, I mean, Ovi's a no doubter for the hall of fame. And I think, um, despite not being an all-star very often, Nicholas Backstrom, uh, you know, over the, like his, the entirety of his career, I think his numbers are, um, like it, for anybody else, it'd be a no doubt Hall of Fame career. Yeah. Uh, like just to look at the numbers. So, um, yeah, I think he's he's building the case for yeah. sure. Uh, a couple years ago, I I would not have thought he was on uh, the path to that, despite the numbers. Um, winning that cup certainly doesn't hurt uh, his legacy uh, and the way that he's going to be remembered uh, in this league. And uh, yeah, I think. That's a discussion for another day uh, yeah. down the road. But, uh, yeah, uh, he's not going anywhere. He shouldn't go anywhere. But then uh, the second guy you mentioned, <laughs> Braden Holpe, right? Yeah. Uh, so uh, I, it's hard to, to think about uh, Braden Holpe being anywhere else uh, other than Washington. But um, – I don't know. It's going to be difficult to re-sign him. They they have their uh, blue chip uh, first round pick in Samsonov, who looks to be just about ready to start taking uh, some NHL action. Uh, and uh, you know, you didn't draft him to uh, to to be Braden Holtby's backup for ten years. Uh, you know. Maybe if you change your mind on Holtby and want to keep him forever, then Samsonov's a nice trade piece. But, uh, you know, Holtby makes a 6.1 now, and uh, you got to think his next deal, uh, he'll be over 30. He'll be looking for another big deal. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't. I don't love the idea of committing to him long term. Uh, Probably um, depends on what the number is. Depends on uh, the the term. Um, but goalies get traded, you know. Uh, it happens, or they 
leave via free agency or they do whatever, you know, Mark Andre Fleury left, uh, Pittsburgh, um, you know, Bobrovsky will leave Columbus. The goalies move around a bit. And, uh, you know, to me, uh, Hopi maybe one of, one of those guys, uh, who you have to bid a very, uh, difficult farewell to. Um, but yeah, I mean, you talked about being a fan and how having this stuff mean uh, something. All those guys that won the cup here are, are special and will always be special uh, to me personally, uh, to, to this whole city uh, for what they did. And uh, it would be very difficult to see Holtby go, but I don't know that long term it would make a ton of sense for them to hold on to him. Uh, you know, you yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, that that's a, another one. Are, are you ready to replace him? You know, is Samsonov ready to replace him? So uh, I guess, you know, maybe next year we'll get a better sense of that. Uh, I'd imagine you, you'll see some of Samsonov uh, in the NHL during the regular season. But um, and then there, you know, I guess at some point they also have to consider the uh, the expansion draft and their goalies yeah. and everything. Right. Uh, and I haven't really thought about it in that context, which is, uh, uh, which I should, but, uh, you know, what are, what are your thoughts on Holtby? Um, I, I think that it's going to be really hard for them to hold on to him. And, and as you said, I mean, when you go out and get a goaltender in the first round, um, and he, you know, plays very, very well in, in Russia and then, uh, takes some time to adjust them to the North American game. But by all reports, he's kind of got it down now and is playing really well. And, um, you know, I, I think Ilya Samsonov is the goaltender of the future here. Um, and I think that's going to be uh, tough to kind of see how it, how it shakes out. I mean, it's as you, as you said, Holpe is another one of the guys that has done a lot for the franchise. So we'll have to we'll have to see how it plays out. But um, you know, Holpe's a good goaltender. Uh, you know, he's been had great seasons. But I, you know, I don't. He's not like Henrik Lundqvist. You know, he's not one of these. You know he's very he's very good, but he's not like I don't think he's like the number one goaltender in the league anymore. You know he he had a season where he was probably the best in the league, but I, I don't think he's he's that guy. And um, you know if he commands money at that level, it's 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 really really hard to kind of justify that for the team. Um, yeah, I mean there aren't there aren't many guys yeah. who uh, you can. Uh, who can justify that kind of um, commitment and Lundqvist uh, not this year, uh, but in, you know, for the bulk of his uh, career, I, I would consider to be one of those guys. I think he, I think Lundqvist was probably the best uh, goalie of this uh, generation that he's uh, sort of aging out of now. Um, And he's a guy that I would have no trouble with uh, committing to at at those years. But, yeah, uh, you know, if you have a a guy who can get hot and be the best goalie in the league for a couple months and most NHL goalies, a lot of NHL goalies can be that guy. Right. A lot of NHL goalies can be great for a stretch and it's just getting that stretch down. Uh, I would. I would probably look to save some money there, um, build uh, a strong defense and, you know, a well-coached team in front of whoever you've got back there and, uh, you know, see what you can do uh, from there. You know, I don't, I don't think that uh, that Phoenix Copley is a guy that you could <laughs> no. depend on. But, uh, you know, I think Grubauer is showing that he was uh, and – not that they didn't make the right moves in handling Grubauer because I don't know what other choices they had. Uh, yeah. And uh, they freed up a lot of salary by moving him and got a pick back and, you know, by moving him with Orpik. Uh, but, um, you know, you don't need necessarily a, the best goalie in the league uh, or a top three five goalie in the league if you've got your house in order uh otherwise and even if you do have those guys uh you know if if signing Braden Holtby costs you the opportunity to get a another uh you know number four defenseman or whatever or you know second pair defenseman uh then I I don't know that the the uh 
the upside uh, ultimately is is worth it. I don't know that that calculus works for for the team. So uh, I think we're on the same page here that uh, it would be a, a difficult uh, parting. But um, it, right now, I would say that it, it sort of points to being the right decision. Yeah. Um, all right. Let, let's talk a little bit about what the Capitals could do to clear up some cap space heading into the um, free agency period this year. What do you got for me? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the guy that we've been talking about uh, on here before, uh, certainly on Twitter, plenty, and it's not uh, an original idea at this point, uh, is Matt Niskanen. I think uh, that dude's career has dropped off a table. Uh, and I don't know if that was uh, sort of a result in any way of uh, Reardon uh, ascending to head coach or uh, I, I think there were signs of it before then. Um, but he's not the player he was three years ago. Uh, and uh, that player is not coming back. Uh, Niskin is 32 years old. Uh, I think there's probably he's got two years left on his contract at 5.75. I think there's uh, there are teams out there that would love to have him. Uh, he's a, a right shot defenseman, uh, and uh, you know that a veteran at that uh, has won the cup. Uh, I think he's attractive. I think that that there are teams that would be interested, um, and that's a lot of uh cash a lot of cap space to clear uh and you have with uh to me uh Jonas Siegenthaler looked uh good all year and uh even in the playoffs uh, except for that one uh misplay when he uh stubbed his stick into the boards and yeah uh, and, <laughs> yeah um <laughs> and uh you know he's a righty Nick Jensen's a righty uh who was up and down to me uh, this year as a cap. But, I mean, with Carlson, Jensen, and Siegenthaler, those are three right-shot defensemen uh, that you've got, um, you know, uh, there. And uh, or maybe Siegenthaler, he might be lefty. I might be, lefty. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm wrong on that. He's lefty. Uh, regardless, um, I, I think that Niskanen is probably a guy uh, – to look at in terms of uh, value they still can get, cap space that they can clear. And uh, I don't know, just seems like uh, a guy who whose time in Washington is probably over if uh, Brian McClellan can find the right deal. Yeah, I mean, that that's 100% where I am as well. I mean, he just, if he's still got value out there, um, I think you got to move him now. I mean, I, I, I don't see... I don't see it being any easier to move him next off season, which is when the Capitals would also be under the, the, the most pressure in my mind, kind of salary cap wise. And other teams know like yeah. kind of how other teams are standing and they're going to make it hard for you. I mean, look at what happened to Chicago a few years ago when they, they were able to get Nick, um, they had to f- get rid of Nick Letty for, for nothing really right. for, for the Islanders. I mean, we don't want the Capitals to kind of be in a situation like that. Or um, when the Caps uh, traded Johansson. I, I mean, exactly they, right. they were, over the cap uh, yep. towards the end of summer, and they had to uh, middle summer, whatever was it? They they damn near gave him away. But uh, you know, yeah, you don't want to be in that spot. Uh, so yeah, he, he's the guy that seems to make make sense. It's a bit of a no brainer to me. So <laughs> hopefully, it's uh, yep. there's nobody else really on the on the roster that kind of jumps out as a. Um, as a real cash vulnerability, actually, I'd say the Capitals have done a pretty good job with their contracts uh, so far. So. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, we could probably have a similar discussion about TJ Oshie. Yes. In, you know, if not now, then in the next year or two. Um, but uh, I, I don't, I can't see them moving Oshie. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think Niskanen right now is is the the piece that makes the most sense to to move yeah i think it's i don't know if it's it's just me i, I feel like teams are generally uh you get looked down upon by like potential free agents if you get dealt if you deal a guy like right after he signed a deal and i guess we're still right. only like a year out from the from oshi's contract i guess or is that two years out now two years 
This this was the second season, so so maybe it's it'd be fine. But he is uh, yeah, but they're not trading him. No, they're not. He's a he's like a top ten jersey sales guy, isn't he? Like he's a might be. So he he brings a lot of cash in for the franchise as a whole, and uh, you know he's he's a good heart and soul guy, right? That, that's yeah. the thing now. But the Caps have won sure. a cup, so we're, so we're allowed to believe stuff like that now. Sure. Why not? <laughs> it's like good coaching. It, it it only exists once once you win. So right. Um. John, I, I I think we've kind of gone through all the guys that I wanted to go through and all, all of kind of the challenges that I see the Capitals facing this offseason. Is there anything else you really wanted to talk about? Uh, no. Uh, I think that we're pretty much uh, putting a bow on the season. You know, on the site, we're going to start our rink wraps on Monday the 6th with uh, Nick Backstrom. So everybody should make sure to check those out. And I think uh, – We'll try to have a couple uh, wrap-up episodes of uh, Japers Rink Radio where we talk a little more in-depth about uh, the rink wraps and individual players and the seasons they had and kind of what the future holds for uh, those guys. So uh, there'll be a lot more uh, talk in the weeks ahead, I think. But uh, for now, uh, yeah, I think I'm pretty much uh, spent. We could we could we could talk for an hour or two about Endgame if you want. That's about what I was gonna say. I was gonna say I do want I want that on record. I'm recording this time. I want to know like on a on a scale of one to ten, what do you give Endgame? Oh, uh, um, probably a very solid eight, uh, right. maybe uh, out of ten. I thought it was. Uh, I thought they stuck the landing, and uh, you know, I I thought it was uh, a fitting and. Uh, appropriate end uh to that uh portion of the the their whole saga there what, what about you uh one to ten yeah i think i'm gonna go like uh like a nine like oh, wow. a, maybe nice. like eight like i really liked it like it's probably my yeah. second favorite marvel movie i think only behind captain america winter soldier so it's a good that- one that is a good one. All right. Uh, well, we can talk about it more offline. <laughs> Thank you to all of our listeners for, for sticking with us. Uh, the capital season might be done, but uh, the sun never sets on Japers Rink Radio. Um, so we will be talking to you guys again soon. Thanks again for listening to this episode.